In this episode of Radios in Action, Senior Sales Manager Ray Novak talks with two members from P1's offshore racing team, Michelle Petro and Dale Owens. Join them as they unravel the thrilling sport and listen to how radio technology gives way to seamless communication at these races. Buckle up for a ride where every frequency counts and every second matters. Today we're with Michelle Petro from P1 Offshore Racing. And before I try to slaughter what she does, let's hear from Michelle herself. Hi, well, I'm the P1 uh, USA Director of Operations and I run the P1 Offshore Series as well as the P1 Aquacross Series, which is a jet ski racing, endurance racing series uh, here in the U.S. for Powerboat P1. For those that don't know what P1 Offshore is, what what is it? So basically, it's a global sporting event organization platform. Um, We specialize in powerboat racing and jet ski racing. And we have uh, branches in, well, headquarters is in London. Uh, We have an office in Malaysia and our office here in Florida um, in the U.S., we just we just run the uh, a series of powerboat racing offshore powerboat racing which um, has a variety of boats from very small outboard engines to the big 50 plus foot catamaran uh, twin in, twin inboard engine type uh, boats. We have Dale with us. Dale is radio communications for P1 offshore. Dale, what does that encompass? A dispatch center is is what we run. You think about a police department, fire department, uh, you know, you want to call for help, you call these dispatch centers, and they send you the help. Uh, We help organize the race. We um, provide assistance to the racers. Uh, We give information to support boats. And um, we just try to, to make them make it a little more organized. We communicate between the race boats, the support boats, rescue boats, uh, the helicopters, and uh, we just kind of coordinate everything. When you say coordinate everything, I bet with that many boats, that many people in an area where you come in, I mean, it's not already set up for you. You come in and you basically set up your own little city. You have to also coordinate the frequencies, too, that you guys use so they don't interfere with daily activities that exist before and after you guys leave, right? That's true. Um, You know, I will listen up to, you know, four, maybe five radios at any given time. Uh, We have main radios. We have uh, we'll have uh, the race boats on one frequency. We'll have the uh, rescue boats on another frequency. I've got the aircraft on another frequency. I've got PATCOM on another frequency. So, you know, and it's just my wife and I that run the race control. And and, uh, it can be quite daunting at times, especially when things start to happen and everybody wants to talk at once. Dale is an amazing person and uh, Lisa, his wife, is definitely his his uh, backbone or support. She's an amazing person too. And I've always said that no matter what you do in life, um, 
the key to success is great communication. So Dale at our events, he manages, he's the hub of, of every event. Like he, he uh, stays in communications with the different, different departments within our event. We have the aviation as well as the race teams, as well as operations and, and the sporting uh, side of, of, of our event staff as well. And he just keeps all of that uh, it, together. He's like the glue of the whole event. So would you say that what you organize is complete chaos of adrenaline junkies on water? Absolutely. You couldn't have put, you couldn't have described that any better. <laughs> so I'm guessing you, you'll have people come up to you like what I do at shows going, you have my dream job. I would love to do what you do. I, I do, actually. Not, not so much people in the industry, but my friends outside the industry, they, they, they think we have this glitz and glamour kind of, you know, amazing job. It is amazing job. I love my job. Um, but it is hard work. It's almost for me 24 <laughs> seven. So it's, uh, you know, with, with the, you know, uh, office in London and, and Malaysia, we're, we're constantly in communication. So, but it's great. It's hard work. It's grueling sometimes very demanding, but very rewarding. Oh, but you're just saying that to discourage us because you get to be, you get to be around boats all the time. You get to smell the smells of powerful engines and they go fast. And yeah, that's not what it's about, is it? It's, it's, um, that's the end game, right? It's the, it's the smell of the fuel and the exciting crowds and the, the, the teams all wound up and, and ready to roll and, and months and months of planning for those teams to, to get across the finish line first. Uh, you know, all the adrenaline, all the, the amazing atmosphere at the, at the events. Uh, it's, uh, that's the end game. But there's a lot of work to get there. So. They, for the most part, you see smooth sailing, don't you? Uh, yes, yes. Um, prior to a race, uh, it gets quite congested uh, while everybody's setting up. You know, before the race, there's a, there's a lot going on for us. We, you know, we have to do a checklist. So, and what does that mean? It means we have to check with the course marshal, make sure the course is set, that the weather is good, that the uh, support boats and rescue boats are in place that the uh, uh, helicopters are there. We need the uh, uh, helicopters to give us a green light. We need to know that the pace boats are in place. So all these checklists uh, are there. We have marine observers for the uh, South Florida or for the Florida area races uh, that's required by the Florida Wildlife Service. So they get up there and they make sure that there's no sea turtles, no, no, no uh, manatees in the area. So all this checklist has to be completed uh, before we think about beginning a race. Obviously, you didn't come right out of uh, school or decide, hey, I'm going to do this. 
what do, what does your career look like or your career path look like that brought you to where you are today with offshore racing? I started flying when I was 15 years old, and uh, I went through the ranks of, of flying uh, all the way up to uh, airline transport ratings. So I had a good background uh, initially for radio communications, uh, you know, talking with air traffic control and all that, and learned, you know, procedures and protocols for that. Uh, later on, I joined the Broward Sheriff's Office, and uh, I worked uh, a myriad of uh, positions at the Sheriff's Office, ending up with uh, running the aviation unit at the very end. Along with the Sheriff's Office was the, you know, the need to operate radios and communicate and properly communicate on radios. So that's kind of where I got my background for for radio communications. Uh, I was involved in, uh, as a nerd kid, you know, building radios and uh, being involved with CB radios. And so I've, I've always had some kind of microphone in my hand. And that was generally the, the backup for, you know, how I got into all of this. I used to be a rescue diver prior to doing race control. And when the people that were doing, the couple that was doing race control um, retired, uh, going back 10 years, uh, my wife and I were asked if we would like to take over uh, the race control duties. Now, you mentioned you've got offices in the UK, you've got offices in Malaysia, and I would almost bet they revolve around your time zone. Um, yes. Pretty much, yeah, because we, we, we definitely, even though our headquarters is in London, we are definitely the hub of the whole, the whole um, family, P1 family. I wasn't expecting the answer to go quite that way. Um, I know we've got offices all over. Email helps smooth out that timeline or that time zone transition. But when you have to have a, a virtual meeting to discuss rules, regulations, any changes, marketing, strategies, things like that. It could be either we hours in the morning or you're chugging coffee at 2 a.m. because you've got a meeting and trying to coordinate things. Well, definitely I've had my fair share of five o'clock Zoom calls in the morning. I've been in um, Thailand up at two o'clock with a Zoom call with with Azam in London, you know, his two o'clock his time over yet over in the UK. Yes, so it's definitely, you know, uh, very. Uh, you basically don't have your full eight hours of sleep. Let's put it that way. You're always there's always all kinds of stuff happening, and uh, luckily my sleep pattern is is uh, maybe four hours and a nap time somewhere, and <laughs> I'm good to go. So, but yes, definitely a lot of. Uh, scheduling lots of lots of things going on all the time yeah how do you bring somebody new up to speed for communicating is that and i'm guessing it's going to be during a driver's meeting or in the pre-race communications to them. Yep, you can race, here's what we do, here's the channels we use, here's what we, we coordinate, here's the protocol we expect to hear. 
I don't think you guys really want to have somebody who's used to being on a CB going, howdy, y'all, what are we doing here today? Whole SOP list, like for the support boats, uh, the majority of the racers already know how to, you know, basically communicate. Some of the new guys, uh, we don't hear from very often. Uh, one of the things I require is that during testing, is, and this is the this is the part where we're testing the radios and their communication ability. Uh, so when testing their boats, they'll call out. They'll tell us who's on the boat, how many people are on the boat, and uh, I I ask them to you know call us when they're going out and also when they're coming back in, so that if there's a wreck out on the water during a testing day that left out there. So at the end of the day, we just check off and make sure all the boats have returned. So that's that's the opportunity I get to check their communication ability. Share with us one of your favorite stories that you like to share about what you do and what you accomplish. Well, the, the funny thing is I often reflect on how I got here because if you had asked me 10, maybe even 15 years ago, if I was going to be in the powerboat racing industry, I would have said absolutely no way. So that's going to happen. So I, I grew up in, in Britain. I went to agricultural college and my passion horses, you know, I, I wanted to become this amazing, you know, uh, English style writing instructor. <laughs> so I couldn't be further from, from that now, but my, my life has taken an interesting path and I just tend to take opportunity as, as they come. Um, and I just happened to stumble into this amazing, uh, industry and, uh, it just blows my mind. Like I didn't even know how I got here sometimes, <laughs> but it's, I'm lucky. It's, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing job and it's an amazing industry. Yeah, it's interesting walking around the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show or the Miami Boat Show, and you you see uh, boats that will have the R600. They'll have six of them on the back, and you look at that and go, yeah, somebody's going to get thrown out of that thing pretty easily. And, yeah, I got, get to go fast, but they don't compare anything to what you guys deal with. No, they, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you have to be a special type of person to, to be locked in a canopy, you know, with your, with your seat strapped in, you know, and, and your helmet on and, and going at, at tremendous speeds in temperatures inside that cabin, I don't know, very hot, you know, with, with the Florida weather. So you have to be a special type of animal to, to be able to, to do that. <laughs> a unique uh, individual for sure. Well, I do see some correlation there. I mean, you wanted to ride horses and these boats have a lot of horsepower. So <laughs> there, there well, you go. Yeah. That's the connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is training by observation. You guys had, have set things that you do when they go out during the testing, certain things you guys do on the way back, and that's where they start getting comfortable with the communications protocols you guys have. Correct. 
we do also have support boats, rescue boats, things like that. And I have a set of SOPs that we send out to those captains. Those captains are generally civilians with uh, uh, limited training or knowledge, They're very experienced, others not so much. So, you know, there are certain things I know I need to know when there's an accident or an incident. So I spell those out. I spell out exactly what communications I need to hear. Some of the things are, you know, don't don't yell on the radio. The the microphones on these radios, uh, when your when your voice goes up, it'll it'll block out any communications. So if they get excited on a radio, it doesn't do me any good. So they have to keep their voice down nor in a normal low uh, attenuation. So, uh, but, you know, I need to know that, you know, there is an incident or an accident. I need to know that, uh, you know, they're en route to that incident accident. Divers deploy, you know, uh, visual on the, the crew members, uh, recovery of the crew members, things like that. One of the most important segments other than the communications is your safety director. Correct. Correct. Our safety director um, is Sean Steinart. He has a team of about 20 firefighter paramedics, dive rescue expertise uh, individuals, and we have them uh, situated all over the course. Our course is approximately six miles around, and they're all, we have like partners of two people on each boat we have like maybe five or six boats dotted around the course so if we can't stay in communication with those individuals then we have no race basically because they are are essential you know if anything goes wrong you know they need to be there they need to communicate to the to the uh rescue people on land the ambulances on land and if they cannot communicate we have we have potentially a life or death situation, you know. It's it's that important. And um, Sean is in one of the. He's usually in the uh, rescue helicopter um, because he has a, a a bird's eye view of the of the course, um, so that he can see what's happening. If there's a boat that seems to be going out of shape, he can communicate to this team on in, in on the water to keep an eye on this boat. It looks like he he might be in trouble, you know. So uh, it's, it's, we, I can't even say how important that is. It, it is amazing. And you mentioned the paramedics, the firefighters, all the trained safety personnel, because really while you guys are putting on this great production that people can watch live stream, I believe it's CBS sports. Yeah. CBS that, and Valley sports. Yeah. That while while people can watch this event and everything's being coordinated, those guys are on jet skis, in boats. You mentioned a helicopter. So do you guys have them drop down from the helicopter like you see in the Coast Guard and the movie yeah. The Guardian? Yes, they do, actually. If, if, it's a, if, if the incident is dire um, they and and they're the first ones to the boat that might have rolled over or whatever the case might be. They will drop uh, to uh, dive rescue people from the helicopter into the water. It, it's all about time 
at that at that point. You know, who who can get there the fastest, who can get in the water the fastest, and the and the divers go down um, into the into the water and check. They can look through the hatch and they can look through the window to make sure that the team inside the boat are okay or not okay. Then they'll come up and communicate immediately with the rest of the team that we need help. Um, the, most, of the, most of the boats have hatches on the bottom, so if they do roll over, they can come out of the bottom of the boat as well. Um, but not just the dive rescue helicopters, we also have a marine observation helicopter in the air, and their sole um, job is to fly over the course and make sure that we do not have any um, marine life on the course. And if we have, especially in Florida, we have manatees, we have turtles, you know, so if, if we have some marine life that ventures onto the course, we need to make sure that we stop the race because that's the last thing we want is to, all, you know, run over uh, some marine life. So they also need to be in communication with Dale um, if, if that something does, you know, venture onto the course we, and, and we need to stop the race because, like I said, we don't want to hurt we're out there to be friendly neighbors. <laughs> so, so again, communication, terribly important. It's one of the nice things about some of the ICOM radios that you guys use. I'm not sure if the ones that we have for you at the control center have this, but uh, quite a few of our radios have the digital signal processing that reduces noise incoming as well as, I'm sorry, as far as what you hear going into the microphone, as well as what's coming out of the speakers. So we might need to try that for next season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've had uh, very little trouble with uh, X-rays on the ICOM radios. They've, they've been extremely clear. And uh, all of my marine radios that I use for race control are uh, ICOM radios. Not only that, the support has been yeah, support's been excellent. I, uh, matter of fact, uh, our last race in Sheboygan uh, during shipping, uh, I had one of the snobs break. And instead of them trying to find the part and, and you know, a new squelch box and and uh, all that, they, they sent me another radio. Yeah, I was, I was scratching my head when I saw the email chain come through. I was scratching my head going, why are we trying to f search for for something let's let's radio communications for them is extremely important get them a radio get it to them get it taken care of we can off season is when we can look at repairing stuff We talked about horses and horsepower earlier. What do some of these uh, power boats that, I mean, you see them fly through the air because they've got so much speed and momentum. What kind of power are we talking about? Um, well, our class one um, class is a, is a uh, catamaran type boat and they have twin 1100 mercury racing uh, engines in them and they can reach speeds up to one uh, between 140 150 miles per hour maybe even more depending on 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 the water 
if it's flat, they could go up to 160. Watching the hydroplane races here in Seattle, I mean, they're, they're a thing of beauty to watch. And as we were talking about land-based uh, racing events, it's pretty easy just to go down pit row, pull over. You see a, a 15-second tire change in refueling. That's long. But for boats, you have to crane them in, crane them out. But go, yep. go ahead, pick up, pick up where I was describing it. I mean, exactly how challenging is it for pit row? It, um, well, a, a, an offshore race is not quite the same as, as a, like a NASCAR race or, you know, that where, where the boat or the cars have to stop and fuel and, and pit, pit for the tires and stuff like that. Um, uh, we have 12 different classes of boats that race. Um, each, each boat class has its own section of time where they race for about, they have basically an hour and a half. Um, while one class is racing, the next class is being craned in, um, ready to go for their, for their race. Um, a race lasts probably about 45 minutes. And then we have like a 45 minute window before with the next start of the next race, because we have to fuel helicopters and, uh, stuff like that. So it's like a, it's a well-oiled clockwork machine <laughs> moving all the time. Uh, and you know, the cranes, it's important to be in touch with the cranes too, because they tell me, okay, you know, the next class is in, they're ready to go for the next race. And then as they're going out, then the class that's just race will come in and then they all have to crane out. So it's a very methodic type of, you know, situation where we have some great crane staff, you know, that, that they have to weigh the, the boats on the cranes, stuff like that. And some of the teams change props and things on the crane. So it's a very um, chaotic, organized chaos <laughs> area. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, we have a great team there and they, they keep things going all the time. And they're in constant contact with me, letting me know that the next class is ready to go or not, uh, depending on the case. But and then we adjust as accordingly. You guys are basically the conductor of an orchestra. You're bringing everybody into play at the right time to make sure everything goes as smooth as possible. Is that a pretty good uh, recap there? Absolutely. And that, that, that's pretty remarkable because as you're watching the live streams or you're watching the recordings of the races, you never really think about the communications that goes on. You just see guys and going as, guys and gals going as fast as they can and uh, waiting to see who wins the race. Dale, thank you very much for your time today to talk about what you all do with Marine Radios for P1 Offshore. Uh, look forward to more stories from you. We'll look at doing something later on in the season, but I greatly appreciate you being on with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Michelle, thank you very much for being with us today to share with us insights of P1 Offshore. It's been a blast working with you guys and look forward to doing it for many more years. 
Well, thanks, Ray. I appreciate you having me on on the podcast. And I want to say, you know, we really appreciate the partnership that we have with ICOM and very grateful for the quality equipment that we have, because without it, we wouldn't be able to function and the story. So thank you and your team for for your support uh, of our series and uh, the Aquacross series as well. You guys are a blessing to have on that team to make sure everybody is safe and everything goes smoothly. I greatly appreciate you coming on with us today to share your story with us and what you guys do. 